Welcome to the Lifting Lindsay podcast. So I'm going to be talking a little bit more about body recomp today. A lot of you know that for the past eight weeks now, I have been doing a body recomp approach. So what body recomp is, is you're sitting around maintenance and you are striving to get a little bit of body fat coming off and a little bit of muscle going on. And the general consensus among those trained or those who like reading research is that there are three groups that this works really well for. Um, and, and you can even not just even sit at maintenance, but sit in um, a moderate calorie deficit and see this happen as well. So there are three groups. The first group is people who are newbies to hypertrophy work. And a lot of times people will say, well, they're new in the gym. And that's not necessarily true because there can be a lot of people who are going to the gym for their spin classes or their aerobics class that has a little bit of pink dumbbell work in there. Um, and maybe they're not necessarily seeing a ton of hypertrophy work or doing that. And then when they move from that to weightlifting, uh, they can see this body recomp, this increase of muscle mass and decrease of body fat. So that's the first group. The second group is overweight or obese people. They can sit in um, a moderate calorie deficit and see some really good body recomp as well. Uh, those individuals that are using anabolic steroids, they can also be in a calorie deficit and see body really good body recomp guys with that one. So those are those are the three main groups where you're going to see some good body recomp. And usually those individuals are in a calorie deficit, right? Now, I have a lot of clients coming to me. When I ask them what their goals are, majority of new clients say, I want fat loss. I want a little bit of muscle. So they want to do everything. And they usually want this approach of doing everything at once. Now, if they fall within those three categories, that's something that we could definitely work towards. But what about somebody who's a little bit more trained? They're already in a healthy body fat percentage. What about them? Is this the best option for them? And I, and I, and I even hesitate saying that the best option, because the best option for somebody is actually what are they going to stick with? What are they going to be able to maintain and really do? Because for some people, the best option could be, well, let's do, let's just do a calorie deficit and focus on pulling body fat back so that you can actually see the muscle that, that, that is there, but we just can't really see it right now. So maybe that's the best option is, you know, we may get a little bit of muscle, but probably not, but let's just focus on fat loss so that you can see the muscle that you have. And for them, that will be really satisfying. They will be the most excited about that. Um, sometimes it is going to be, do you know what? You've got to push into, you've already been really lean and you don't have muscle when you're very lean or you don't have a lot of it or you don't have as much as you want. So we could do this body recomp of staying at maintenance, but it's just going to take 
so long that you may not have the patience. And so what's best for that person is let's push into a little bit of a surplus, just enough to be able to enhance the body's ability to put on more muscle. But oftentimes, when you talk to somebody about a trained individual trying to do both, trying to get a little body fat off, trying to get a little muscle on. I mean, I've talked to coaches who are flat out like, no, that's that's impossible. You can't do it. I told one coach that I was going to be doing this approach and really, really um, fine-tuning my nutrition. And honestly, I really believe in the past three years, my program design skills have really increased And that's actually one of the reasons why I wanted to try for body recomp so much is because I know I've fine-tuned my training a lot more. And so my ability to pick out optimal exercises so that I'm not wasting time in the gym, I'm not just doing junk volume a lot of times for me is including exercises that don't need to be included And they're just more work for my body to have to recover from. So that is a very real thing. Sometimes new clients will come to me and they will bring me their previous program that either they wrote or someone else wrote. And I look at it and I'm just like, there's just a bunch of junk in there that you didn't need to be doing. And yeah, maybe that was fun for you to be in the gym. That's fine. I'm okay with that. But that is a little more for you to recover from. And they were just kind of junk exercises. We weren't picking the best exercises. And then you need to bring the correct amount of intensity and form and execution to those exercises. And so uh, a lot of times, I'm kind of jumping the gun a little bit because I really wanted to dive into this a little bit deeper later on. But a lot of times, just fine-tuning, just getting your ducks in a row. So for me, I feel like my program design skills have really increased my... um. Form and execution has been something that I've focused on a lot over the past four years, really fine-tuned that, and then increased my ability to bring intensity while lining up the muscles really well and choosing really good exercise selection. So for me, I'm like, you know, I kind of want to test this out and really see what can my body accomplish Um, over a 12-week period, now that I've been able to fine-tune my programming more and if I can really get uh, nutrition on and some of these other things that we'll talk about on point, can I see body recomp? And what is the speed that that looks like for me too? Because that's another thing. Can you see body recomp sitting around maintenance? Yes, but the speed of which you can see it usually is what will hold people back. And I'm really excited because when I first, eight weeks ago, when I started this body recomp approach, I actually went in and got a DEXA. Guys, if you haven't, I would highly suggest you guys first listening to me talk about my my approach. I posted that podcast episode a few weeks back that just kind of went through my approach because I started out at about a 10% calorie deficit. Now, one thing that I did notice was that, um, and I could have been a little bit higher because I did increase, um, made sure my steps were 12,000 steps and above. 
I'm a very active person in general. I just like moving. And so hitting 12,000 steps for me isn't a problem. I'm moving all day long. I did increase my cardio though to three times a week, 40 to 45 minutes. Sometimes it would even go 60 because I was like into this podcast and that I was listening to or a book I was listening to, right? So sometimes, not all always, but sometimes it would increase. So that was kind of my approach. I noticed that I was feeling a little bit leaner and that uh, when I would flex, that my my six-pack was starting to look a little sharper. And so I could tell that my body fat was coming down. I was worried though that maybe the speed of which it coming down would take away from my body's ability to increase muscle at the same time because I am a trained individual. And so I did, after three um, weeks, I did increase my calories. So I was sitting around 2,000 calories, my maintenance, if you will, or maintenance range. And then a few weeks later, I went on vacation. During that time, I didn't have access to a really good gym, but I did have access to like um, a hotel gym. I was able to get in three times during that week and I couldn't do my usual training, but I got in and worked and got a pump and it, it was okay. You know, I kind of had to use what I had there. People are always so scared that they're going to lose their progress after a week. And that's just nothing to be scared about, guys. And if that is something that really worries you or you you want to be able to train while you're on vacation and it's no stress, it's a fun thing for you, then by all means, go ahead and do it. Don't stress out too much about, oh, I don't have the exact same machines as I do at my gym. Oh, I'm going to lose progress because of it. I mean, at one point for two of the training days, all I had was a pulley system and I was able to still do some pulley leg work even with it. Like they didn't even have dumbbells. It was just pulley system. I was able to do some split squats using the pulley as the resistance. I was able to do RDLs using the pulley as a resistance and just kind of got in, had fun, enjoyed it, didn't stress, right? So that was in eight weeks. I had a week-long vacation. And, um, but anyways, when I, a, a week before the vacation, I increased my calories again. Just I just noticed like, okay, I want to make sure that I have enough supplies on my training days. So I kept my non-training at 2,000 and then I pushed up my training day calories to 2,250. And then I went on vacation, didn't track, didn't worry too much, got back, just went right back to the nutrition that I was doing before. And... After eight weeks of this, I went in and got another DEXA. And I will go in and get another DEXA in another four to six weeks to kind of see how things have landed at the end. But I wanted to talk about what I've seen happen over the past eight weeks. Now that you kind of know what my nutrition has been, I've been training four times a week. My personal training is actually found on my training app. So if you go to groups under groups is one called train with me. And that's my personal training. And so it's there for anybody to follow along with. Right now, my training is focused on delts and 
glutes and hamstrings. And I, a lot of times people will say, so does that mean you don't train other muscles? No, I do. It's just, I'm lending a little bit more frequency and volume towards delts, glutes, and hamstrings right now, because I really want to see those come up a little bit more. But in, in the app, I also have full body training, um, fat loss training that's leaning towards a little bit more metabolic work. And I also have home programs uh, and alternative exercises, even within my train with me. So if you train at home, you can still do my program with me. So I do that four times a week and it's about an hour, sometimes 70 minutes, depending on how I, if I have to wait for and or if I get talking to somebody, right? But anyway, so that's what my training has and nutrition has basically looked like over this eight weeks. So I went in and I got a DEXA done. And this is what the DEXA told me. Um, the first DEXA I went in and my weight was 126.3 pounds. Eight weeks later, I go in and my weight is 126.5 pounds. Well, if you are obsessive about the scale, you would have looked at that and said, oh, nothing has changed Nothing has happened. It's been a waste of the past eight weeks. It was probably that vacation, that one week vacation. It ruined everything. What a waste, right? This is actually why I find that body recomp approaches where a client is sitting around maintenance, why psychologically it is so hard is because they hang everything on the scale. And they look at the scale, not changing, and they're, oh, it's not working. I'm like, wait, 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 what do you mean it's not working? You were just telling me last week you were feeling leaner. You were just telling me you reported in your, your lifts and you are lifting more weight. So you're getting stronger. You're getting stronger in the gym. You're feeling a little leaner, not huge substantially, which is normal for that type of body recomp approach of more around maintenance. So, so you're feeling a little bit leaner, you're feeling a little bit stronger, but because the scale is relatively the same, nothing's changing. Logically, that doesn't even make sense. Think about it. Logically, it doesn't make sense. Something's changing. Going back to my DEXA, well, what is this showing changed? because this, the weight isn't changing. Well, body fat decreased by 1.2%. 1.2%, guys. And muscle increased aboutish. I'm saying aboutish because there it's there's a a little bit of a variable here, right? But it said it increased 1.6 pounds. That's awesome. So the scale didn't really move, but body fat went down and muscle mass increased. So that's over two months period. I saw, and, and I'll say, it says 1.6 pounds of muscle, but you know, it could have been closer to a pound. And that's okay. I'll, man, I'll take that. As a trained individual, seeing body fat go down 
and seeing half a pound in a month's time of muscle, that's awesome. That is really cool. So I'm going to once again reinforce this though. If you obsess about the scale not moving, then this type of approach 100% is not for you. And I think that that's why so many coaches out there are like, no, don't, don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. Because it, let's say I didn't know that much about fitness and I wasn't doing DEXA and I hired a coach and I said, well, there's this cool thing, body recomp, where you sit around maintenance and you can see fat loss and muscle being built. So that's what I want to do. But after two months of doing it with that coach and I'm just fixated so much on the weight I would think to myself, am I wasting money with this coach? Well, that coach has worked with enough people to know that this is going to bring in some psychological factors. And so it is going to be best for clients to probably to make them feel like they're really progressing and moving forward. It's probably going to be best to focus on one thing at a time, meaning no, like if you want to see more fat loss, Let's just do a fat loss phase and really, really focus on that. Or no, you, you're leaner. You want to see more muscle. Then let's just lean into a build and really, really focus on that. I do want to point out that the speed at which you can put on muscle is going to be greater when you push into a straight build. Another thing that I want to point out is your body cannot always be in straight muscle building mode. If you're a trained athlete, you cannot expect this perfect linear progression of muscle every single month from month to month, just like we shouldn't constantly be in a state of trying to drop body fat, right? So it's really important that we allow ourselves, our mind, and our body to almost get deloads from our goals too. To It's okay to step away from fat loss and, and step into maintenance for a while and just try to maintain and not look to change anything, but just look to sit in gratitude with what we have achieved and where we're at right now. Likewise, we can't just constantly be in a state of hypertrophy. The body's not going to be able to sustain that. And so it takes breaks and you've got to mentally kind of take breaks from these things too. Maintenance is such a beautiful place to sit at and even just like maintenance of mind, not, not trying to, to get a little more muscle, but just like, do you know what? I'm just going to pause and I'm going to sit in gratitude and just sit in this, this moment of I'm grateful for where my body's at and what it can do right now. It's okay. I feel like those that can step back and pause and sit there for a bit are those that keep their overall mental, emotional, and physical health throughout their fitness journey. There can be an unhealthy, I have to keep going, going, going. I have to, I've got to get more, 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 more. And it, and it can lend into an unhealthy mental and physical environment. So I think that that's really important. Okay, one other thing that I really want to touch on here is in 2020, there was a study that was published 
and I will include it in the show notes here. But they actually went over this whole question of can a trained individual see body recomposition? Can they simultaneously lose fat and see muscle growth? Their conclusion was, yes, they can, but there is some criteria that needs to be met. And I'm excited to go through this criteria because these are things I really, really, really focused on during the past eight weeks and will continue to focus on. One, these individuals were following a progressive overload program, a hypertrophy program that was challenging and well-designed. That was really important. So these individuals weren't just showing up in the gym and like, oh, I'm going to do this today. Oh, I saw this one on Instagram. So she has a nice butt. So I'm going to do this random thing today like she did. And no, like you need to have a program whether it's a three, a four, five, six day training program that gets cycled. Meaning, let's just say it's a four day training. You're training four times a week. You go in Monday with a plan. You follow the plan. The next Monday, you repeat that same exact plan and you try to progress and do a little bit more than you did the week before you are progressing within this plan, okay? And it's all—it's not always, well, you got to do more weight. That's not true. Sometimes it can just be one more rep. Sometimes it can be, I'm going to pause for a one count in a difficult position. So when I write training programs, I'm not just like, well, you better progress every single week your weights. That's doable for a newbie. They're going to see that type of progression. Somebody who's trained, we're not always going to see the weights move up from week to week to week. That's just not how it goes. So one thing that I do like, and one way, well, let's go into the second one because this talks about it. So there was a second criteria. There was five total criteria that these trained individuals needed to hit in order to see body recomp. The second one was they really had to be tracking and monitoring their progress for their lifts, really pushing themselves. So yes, they have a plan that's well-designed, but they also have to be pushing themselves in that plan. So one thing that I really like about my app that I, I love this feature is when you click on an exercise, you can click on an icon at the bottom, and it tells you what your weights and your reps have been in the past few weeks for that. And so I love doing that because I can look and see, okay, this is what I did last week. Can I up it a little bit more while staying within the given sets and rep ranges? That's always the goal. So you want to stay within the given rep ranges. And today I was really excited because with my RDL, I was actually able to bump up the weights a little bit while one of the new written progressions was doing another set. 
So I was really excited because that was two big progressions. Now that can't always happen. Sometimes it's the weight stays the same and we just do another set, or sometimes it's the weight stays the same, but we get in another rep. So I give rep ranges for my training. And let's just say the rep range is eight to 10. So the first week I may choose a weight that I can do for eight reps and on that last set hit failure within within that. The next week I look back and I'm like, okay, these were the weights I did. I, I really am not feeling I can push myself a little bit more on the weights, but I can add one more rep. So this week I'm doing nine reps. And then maybe next week I'm able to add just a tad bit of weight. Maybe I can't, but it, I can increase it to 10 reps. And then the fourth week I drop the reps back to eight and I'm really able to increase the weight. So that is a, a type of progression that you could do because the whole point of progressive overload is you're doing a little bit more this week than you did last week. Okay. A little bit more. That's a, just a very basic understanding of progressive overload, but you have to make sure that you're tracking your lifts. And I'm going to tell, I'm going to be really honest with you. Sometimes as a trained individual, I can go in and kind of just go through the motions a little bit more today. But when I decided that I was going to do this body recomp, I knew I had to see my weights really progress and my training really progress from week to week. So yesterday, one of the progressions that I wrote in the app was, it was for back rows and it was this week we're adding in a one count pause at the back of that back row. And that's a little bit more work, just that one count pause. I mean, think about it this way. I'll do this too with squats. I'll add just a, okay, this week, we're, how we're progressing is we're adding a one count pause at the bottom. Try to keep the same weight that you did last week, but now we're going to spend more time under significant amount of tension that one count pause at the bottom of a squat, man, it makes all the difference. It's so funny when my clients send me in form videos and I'm like, that wasn't a one count pause. So sometimes I'll even tell them, no, do it too. Cause really I want to see a one because as soon as you get down to the bottom of a squat, it's like time goes so fast <laughs> when you're trying to hit that one count. So that's one way that I will progress from last week to this week. So if you aren't doing stuff like that, make sure you are, that you are including different ways of progressing your program. So the third criteria was consuming higher protein intakes. Something we talked about last time I did the body recomp is yes, we want to maximize protein synthesis. So we do want to make sure that we are getting enough protein. So they said it was two point, the study said 2.6 grams to 3.5 grams per kilogram. All you people who do pounds are like, what? No, it's kilogram guys. Okay. Kilogram. So, and that's also of your fat free mass. The fourth one was these individuals incorporated a post-workout protein supplement. So that's something that I do after every single lift go straight home. And it's nothing fancy or special. It is literally one and a half scoops of protein that I get from Costco. 
gold standard vanilla. It's nothing fancy. I'm not drinking it because I really want to savor my protein. It's just like, I just throw it back. And then I usually have toast. Sometimes I'll have waffles. And you guys know me, I love my Pop-Tarts. And the Pop-Tart thing is, I'm going to do a whole podcast episode on Pop-Tarts, why I choose Pop-Tarts. Some of it has to do with, I do like educating people that you can still eat a Pop-Tart and you are not going to die. You're not going to implode your, you can still put on muscle. You can still get lean. We need to stop teaching massive amounts of fear of foods to people. The psychological effects are far in a negative way, outweighing any beneficial. So we just need to teach balance and life skills better versus fear. I'm a huge adamant of that. And there's been some interesting work done in this in studies as well, showing the negative effects of all of this food fear-mongering that goes on. And so although I do believe in the bulk of our foods need to come from whole foods, okay, so I guess I don't need to do an episode on it because I'm pretty much doing one right now. <laughs> I, I, I hate that, that fear-mongering, that food fear-mongering. Okay, so five, the last criteria that this study said, which I thought was so key and so important, is having a high sleep quality and quantity. That is massive. And, you know, I did this body recomp during a great time because it was summer, so we're all sleeping in a little bit. And so I was able to get a ton of sleep, feel really, really good for my lifts, and I was really excited about that. Now, one of the researchers, I found another quote of his that that after doing this study, what he was also saying, and I, and I just thought this was really good. Uh, Christopher Barraquette, Barraquette, is that how you say that last name? I don't know. Anyways, he said, I believe a lot of people could successfully recomp if they got all their ducks in a row. A sub-optimized trainee... And he goes on to, uh, to clarify what that is. Someone with poor form, execution, and intensity. And I would include to his list poor exercise selection because that one is huge. People are like, I really want my glutes to build. And then they choose suboptimal exercises that aren't even working the glute max. And maybe it's only being worked in like, mid short position, not even lengthened position, and things aren't lined up really well. They're getting more adductors than actually glute max when they finally do decide to do some kind of squat, or they end up getting more quad than actually um, glute max, depending. They could be a quad dominant squatter or just their setup overall that they've learned. Like wider's better for glute max. No, it's not. It's better for adductors. So if you want to grow your inner thighs, go for that really wide stance. If you want to grow your glutes, then you want a narrower stance and you want to focus on hip flexion, closing the gap between like your torso and your, your quads. So poor exercise selection, in my opinion, is massive. Um, and then he goes on to say, poor nutritional habits, low protein intake and poor sleep, hygiene, etc should be able to improve their training adaptation response and body comp when dialing in those variables. 
from what I see at random commercial box gyms, plenty of people there have been exposed to exercise for a long time, but are spinning their wheels and have a lot of loose or missing bolts that are hindering their progress. I see this so much, which is why I've spent so much time focusing on biomechanics and, and program design because I, there's so much missing in the general population as far as quality program design. And so I, I do want to go back a little bit to this, what he said as far as, as, far as a sub-optimized trainee, someone with poor form, so not setting things up very well, execution and intensity. Intensity is a huge one. It is a huge one. I think most women are really, really good at endurance. And so they will, uh, they have a natural tendency to choose mid range weights and just try to feel the burn. And, and that's a type of training, but we have found that the bulk of hypertrophy doesn't reside in that type of training. So for example, going to a body pump class. I would never say that that's bad. So many people love it and they find joy in it. And I think that that's wonderful. But just know that the bulk of muscle growth doesn't happen in those classes because we need higher amounts of weight and we need a greater intensity. And with that typically comes, you need higher rest periods. So, you know, one to three minutes resting in between sets when a lot of those classes aren't giving you any rest and they're focusing mainly on feeling the burn. Once again, that's not a bad thing. It has a very small place within hypertrophy. It does have a place, but it is very small. So the bulk of hypertrophy, and that's what you want when you're, you want hypertrophy when you're trying to do body recomp. You want toned look. That's body recomp. You want to see the body fat come off. You want to see the muscle mass go up. And so for a trained individual, we have to optimize the training. We have to. So going in and doing what you first did when you first got in to fitness of going in and just, oh, this is a fun exercise. This is a fun exercise. This is a fun exercise. When you are trying to do everything at once, when you're trying to do fat loss and build at the same time, that is not going to work. Okay. So you are not going to be seeing this body fat come down and a lot of muscle or, and muscle come on because it's just poor designed programming, exercise selection, and then you're not bringing the intensity of work. And a lot of times when I say intensity, women immediately think of, oh yeah, hit high intensity, burning out, that type of thing. But what I'm talking about with the intensity is the intensity of contraction. I think that's a better way to to say that. What is the intensity of the contraction? What is like the neurological intensity of that? Even that can be a component of that. But, But are you just grabbing mid lighter weight and looking to burn out, well, that's not going to lend huge results if you're trained to this type of approach. You're going to be wanting to, like today I went into the gym and I was doing 
two minute rest periods in between my leg press. And I was able to really push with a 10 to 12 rep range over 350 pounds for my leg press. So that's what I'm talking about is not just feeling the burn, but the intensity and the progression of weights of strength from week to week is very important. So I really hope that this has been really beneficial to you. Another thing that I was kind of excited to see is with a DEXA, they'll tell you exactly like where the body fat has come off of, where the muscle mass is, you know, gone on. And my programming has really been delts and glutes, hamstrings. And it was exciting to see that that was the area that where the most muscle had also been put on too. So program design is important and it does matter, but it's not the end all. If you can have the most amazing program, but if you don't go in and really push yourself and test your strength, then it doesn't matter how good the program is. You can go in with the best program in the world. And if you're not going to bring the intensity to every rep, then it doesn't matter. It's the same thing with nutrition, right? You can have the most brilliant nutritionalist write a nutrition plan for you, and that's great, but it doesn't matter if you don't follow it. It doesn't. So that's something that I really, really, really want to encourage you guys. If this is your goal, if these are the types of changes that you want to see, then let's let's get good programming. Let's choose better exercises. And really push ourselves to progress and to track those progressions. I don't care how you do it. You know, some people write down their progressions on a paper from week to week. I did that for years. I'm really enjoying having it just all on my app now so I can go back and check that. But really be pushing yourselves to bring your all to training. So hopefully that this has helped you kind of give an idea of, yes, if all these criteria are met, you can see body recomp. Is it going to be as fast as you want? Probably not. Is it going to be harder to track the changes? You know, if I was just going by the scale, yeah, because the scale stayed pretty much the exact same for me the whole time. But I was seeing increases in my weight in the gym. I was feeling a little bit leaner. And sometimes we're so quick to push those things aside when the scale isn't going in a direction that we want. But once again, if this is your goal, then you have to realize you kind of have to ignore the scale a little bit and you have to go off of these other things like measurements, the way your clothes are fitting, the way you're feeling and performing in the gym. Those are all going to be really key for you. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Lifting Lindsay podcast. I really hope that this breakdown of body recomp has been beneficial to you. If you have any questions, you can always shoot me a DM on Instagram at Lifting Lindsay. Or if you're interested in my optimized training programs, you can go to liftinglindsay.com to sign up for the app or even look around and see my coaching options and get on the wait list for that.